Welcome to Box Office Culture. I'm your host, Tony Nunes. On today's episode, I am joined by Front of House director Greg Moran. We are talking about the Oscars. We are talking about some of our favorite movies about filmmaking. Uh, But before I start today's episode, I just want to give a plug and a shout out to some of the films coming up at the United Theater. Uh, We are recording this on Friday, January 27th. Today we have opened, finally, The Fablemans, Steven Spielberg's Oscar-nominated film for a two-week run. I can't recommend that enough. Uh, Also playing is All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, the Oscar-nominated documentary. And we are also still showing A Man Called Otto, which is doing really well. Audiences are loving this movie. Get your tissues ready. Um, And then next week, our big opening next week is the film 80 for Brady. Uh, I think that one's going to do really well here. So stay tuned to our website. uh, And at the start of every new episode, we'll be talking very quickly about what's upcoming. And you'll hear more about some of our upcoming film series in the conversation ahead. All right, today we are joined again by Greg Moran, our front of house director here at the United Theater, for our third episode of Box Office Culture. Hello, Greg. Hello. Today we are talking about the Academy Awards. Um, The Academy Award nominations came out earlier this week. We're recording this on Friday, January 27th. Uh, I thought it would be fun to talk about, you know, the nominees, um, some of the surprises, some of the snubs. some predictions of who we think might win. Um, and then we'll pivot and talk for a little bit, um, very briefly about some of our favorite movies about filmmaking and Hollywood, because for our neighborhood watch series here at the United theater, which is our in-house film club, we are doing a series of films between now and March about filmmaking and about Hollywood. We kicked it off last week with once upon a time in Hollywood from Quentin Tarantino. We're showing Robert Altman's The Player in February, which is, that might be my, it might, it's definitely in my top three of, of best movies about Hollywood. It's up there. It's great. The it's, ending. Uh, the opening. The opening tracking shot. We'll talk about it. The, yeah, yeah. We'll talk about well, it. Well, I mean, that's Altman. That's Altman. He does that in everything. And then in March, we're doing a Christopher Guest double feature, which we'll talk about as well. But first, let, let's start with the Oscars. Sure. Um, the nominations came out this week. A lot of things were not a surprise, um, but then, you know, I, I found a couple of nominees that I did not expect, a couple of snubs I didn't expect. We're doing an Oscars series here at the United. Um, I had to make some pivots because I pre-booked a lot of this on a presumption that certain things would be booked and certain, certain things would be nominated and certain things wouldn't. Um, so I don't know. Where should we start here? Let's, let's, let's start with a category. Should we start with... Uh, let, let's start with actor in a leading role. Okay. Why not? Yeah. Um, because, you know, when you pull up the Oscar page, alphabetical order, it's right at the top. Sounds good to me. Um, actor in a leading role. The nominees are Austin Butler, Elvis, Colin Farrell, Banshees of Inner Sharon, Brendan Fraser, The Whale, Paul Mescal, After Sun, and Bill Nye Living. I will say off the bat, um, I, I have not yet seen After Sun. We're, we're bringing it. We're doing a one-off screening of it here at the United in the next Same few with me. weeks. Yep. Can't wait to see it. It looks like a movie that is going to gravitate with me in a, a lot of levels. I thought this movie maybe could get a nomination for screenplay. Maybe. That was my prediction. Um, but his nomination for Best Actor was a kind of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think of all of these nominees, that was, that was kind of the surprise piece for me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm glad he did because the movie does look great. Uh, I'm also, I'm glad Bill Nye is finally getting some, I mean, he's had a long, great career. It's not like he's disrespected, but you don't really hear his name a lot during award season. You don't, no. But that being said, you know, I still need to see The Whale as well. Uh, The Colin Farrell thing, I think is weird. It's kind of like that issue they had with Judas and the Black Messiah a couple of years ago where who really was the lead? It's like, I think, Gleason ah. and Colin were co-leads in a lot. Uh, Barry Keoghan as support, I totally get. I don't know. I think Colin Farrell took up most of the screen time in, in Inner Sharon. And he definitely had more dialogue, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I like Colin Farrell for this. I, I also have not seen The Whale yet. Yeah. We're opening it on the 10th here for a week, so we'll have a chance to see it. Um, I don't know who the front runner here is. I, I, my mind tells me Colin Farrell might be the front runner. 
Um, or 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 Fraser. People are really he's he's on a heater right now. But I think, like I said, not having seen the whale yet, not having seen After Sun yet, I might go with the kid, Austin. Like I mean, eight was, months ago, yes, I would have. I would have predicted. He was really that. good in that movie. Yeah. I, eight months ago, if you told me who's the shoe in for best actor, I would have said Austin Butler, hands down. Um, but yeah, I, Colin Farrell, Colin Farrell also, uh, also had a great year. They're taking into account this one movie, sure, sure, maybe. Yeah. Um, but, but politically, sometimes it feels like the Oscars take into account someone's year in total. And between, you know, Banshees and then After Yang, which he was amazing and wonderful in right. as well. And then um, he was Penguin in Batman as well. Yeah. Um, See, but I, a, I think that's what worked against Margot Robbie. What too many roles? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Because I think she, and also that that category to not to category jump here. That co- category stacked this year. Yeah, we'll we'll hit that one. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Maybe. I. I don't know. I. The, well, and any, the fact that both of those movies for her did not do well. No. Didn't help. No. Um. Uh, Paul Mescal. I mean. I haven't seen that movie yet, like I said, but that would be quite a stunner if he won that. Uh, Brendan Fraser is is definitely the most talked about of the nominees for for being the front runner there. He's got the Globe. He did win the Globe. He has that you know Brendan Fraser Renaissance thing happening. Yeah. He's you know, Where, he, yeah the internet decided he's their new McConaughey. Messiah, yeah, yeah, or the new Keanu. Yeah, which just everybody loves him. Uh, yeah, it's great and, and good for him. I mean, absolutely. He was such a big part of, what, the late 90s? Oh, yeah. Mid to late, yeah. Mid to late 90s. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I look at this category and I think Colin Farrell. um, But we'll see. Uh, So let's let's jump down. Let's stay in the actor realm Mm -hmm. for right now and jump down to actor in a supporting role. Um, The nominees here, you said two of them. We had Brendan Gleeson, Banshees of Inner Sharon, Barry Keegan, Banshees of Inner Sharon, Brian Tyree Henry, Causeway, Judd Hirsch, The Fablemans, and Kee Kwan, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Uh, what's your prediction here? I really want to say Kee Kwan. And I, I, th- I think he's, he got the Globe, too. I think he's got a... For a while, I was like, he'll get nominated, but he's not going to win. It, this is a pretty, another pretty stacked category. Um... Is that who you want to win or who it's, you it's think who will I, win? I, both. Okay. Both. All right. Um, I do that. I, you know, it's one of those things where a lot of times people in the same movie can cancel each other out. It's also a matter of, it gets political. Somebody's like, oh, I'm not going to vote for any of the actors because we're going to give Banshees best director, or best picture. Oh or yeah. Whatever. Yep. Um, they were all good. I still have, I still need to see Fableman's probably going to do that today. So I can't really comment on Hirsch. Uh, I'm really glad Brian Tyree Henry is getting some some love. I don't think he's going to win. I don't think he necessarily should, but he's amazing, and this is just the start for him, which there's people that don't vote for people. Like Austin Butler could lose votes because people are like, ah, he'll be back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, let's give it, let's give it to Bill Nighy because how much longer is this? Well, you get the legacy vote and the legacy Absolutely. win. It happens yeah, yeah, sometimes. Yeah. You're like, oh, I love this act- actor. They've been nominated seven times. Why did they win well, for this garbage I mean, movie? Look at Leo. Leo finally wins for Revenant. Not yeah. that he wasn't good in that, but yeah. the, of, it's probably the least. Yeah, it's a very Oscars. Thing. It's a very Oscars thing to do. Yeah. Um, that legacy win. I, I mean, I would love to see Ki Kwan win. Um, I really would. Uh, Judd Hirsch in The Fablemans, it's one of those supporting roles that is so such a very small piece of a movie, and he's he's got maybe 10 minutes of screen time. But was it intrinsic to the movie? It is intrinsic to a degree, and it's a great performance. It's a strong performance. I mean, he plays kind of an, an actor type in the movie, so it, of course it's going to be strong. I, I, I don't think it's enough to win this category at all. Um, so who you got? You know... I want Kee Kwan to win. I do. But for this category, I think it's between Barry Keegan and Brendan Gleeson. Yeah. And I really... Brendan, those Brendan two, gets it on Legacy. Brandon gets it on Legacy. And Barry Keegan, I mean, that guy will be, not, that guy will be back. Yeah. I mean, Barry Keegan has an amazing story, too. He's, he, was, he does. You yeah. know, I can't remember he how many Foster... He needs to play Shane McGowan in a Pogues biopic. I mean, he's, he's playing Joker in the new uh, Batman movies coming out. But honestly, the guy was... He was bounced around from foster care his whole life, told yep. he'll never amount to anything. And 
he's here he is of what is he 28 29 he's pretty young yeah he's nominated for an oscar um and he's had a great year i mean he was great in um what is the movie it's gonna it's escaping me the movie the a24 fantasy movie uh the new with uh with joaquin no the one that the came out a couple of years ago oh uh killing of a sacred deer nope uh he was in the green knight the green knight that's it the green knight he, he was really good in the green knight his actually that high fantasy i mean i guess it kind of is kind that of. was more art, art fantasy his character in the green knight too in some ways reminded me of his character in banshees um there are some similarities there he's that that's a great movie, by the way. The Green Knight. That's, it is. That is. It is such a beautiful, like, well. It was. Shot. I understand why. I mean, now we're going totally diverging. I understand why people didn't like it, but those people are wrong. They're wrong. They're totally wrong. Um, but yeah, this. I mean, look, he's got a future. So yeah, I think you're right. I think the legacy vote here probably goes to Brendan Gleeson. But again, rooting for Kihi Kwan all the way. Um, Absolutely. I, I think he. He's got a better chance than I would have given him. Like, like we were talking about two months ago, I would have mm-hmm. been like, he'll get the nom, which is great. Yeah. Awesome. The Brendan Gleeson story. Think he's got it. The, I mean, the, the, not Brendan Gleeson, the um, Brendan Fraser story is great. It's very similar. I watched, uh, so Hollywood Reporter does these great roundtable discussions that they mm-hmm. put out on YouTube. Definitely look these up because they're, they're incredible. They take kind of the pool of nominees before nominations are even out, the assumed pool of nominees, I guess. And they, they do a director's roundtable, an actor's roundtable, an actress roundtable. Um, and in the actor roundtable this year, it was like, oh, God, Adam Sandler was in it. Um, but Kee Kwan was in it. Yep. So was, um, I think, Colin Farrell was in it. He was. He, he actually asked Austin Butler for, uh, inadvertently asked for Vanessa Hudgens' number. Oh, my God. No, he did but it's it, they made all, all the clickbait makes it sound way more lascivious than it is. It was n- completely innocent. Yeah. But, uh, of course the internet, yeah. but the Brendan Fraser and Key Kwan were in there and they were sharing stories about, you know, their, you know, Brandon Fraser was talking about airheads and this woman coming up and being like, I really hated that movie. And that was the moment he was like, I made it finally. <laughs> but Key Kwan also sharing things as, as coming up as a kid in the Goonies temple of doom, this kid actor, to, to, so the Brendan Fraser story and Brendan Fraser Renaissance is great and welcome. The Kihi Kwan Renaissance is, is longer in the yep. making and even more welcome to me because, I mean, here's a, this is a kid actor who played some of the, the most two memorable of the most, absolutely, yeah. roles of a child I mean, of for, a child I'm, I'm in my mid-40s. Those two movies were a huge part of my, me too. my growing up. Yeah. I mean, Indiana Jones and Goonies, come on. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, what kid didn't... Shout out, Temple of Doom's way better than people give it credit for. It's a great movie. I think people are better on it now after Crystal Skull came out. I think They're so. like, oh, okay, like, this is that a, wasn't that bad. This is a freaking masterpiece. Um, all right, so yeah, Kihi Kwan, I think we both, we're, we're gonna... Well, yeah. There's a chance, and, and, <laughs> and you're, gonna, you're gonna yell at me for saying this, but Greg pitched this great idea that I sh- totally shot down uh, two weeks ago, which was... Uh, him and I doing this podcast live <laughs> during the Oscars, well, you know, watching it in our gallery, um, you know, tuxedo t-shirts and all, and kind of just giving it live, live-ish commentary on it. And I was like, that's, we can't do that. That's, Ter- yeah, that's a terrible. immediately shot it down. I did. I shot it down. And then I saw another theater was doing something similar, totally forgetting our conversation. And I sent it to him and I said, <laughs> we should do this. And he immediately responded and he's like, you're an idiot. What yeah. the hell? I should have just been like, yeah, you're right. It's a great idea. Let's, let's <laughs> go I, with it. But I think maybe we, there's a chance, there is a chance that we would do this. And if we do, um, we'll just, it is, we'll, if that's something you're at all interested in, throw it in the comments. Throw it in the comments. Let us know. Would we you come and guests? watch us Black sit on, on a stage, drink some drinks and watch us break down the Oscars live? I just, I am not great for live TV. See, I mean, I'm great for the audience, but I mean, who cares? I need to be on a 10 second delay. Yeah. Yes, you do. Especially if there's it's, any sort of drinks going on. You have to be on the Oscar delay. Yeah, absolutely. Like, oh, yeah. Um, ten, 10 seconds of silence in the world wondering, what did he say? Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, let's jump down to the actress categories now. Yep. Um, so 
actress in a well let's let's start with actress in a supporting role okay. no let's no let's not let's go actress in a leading role which obviously there's two huge snubs that everybody's talking about here uh, but viola davis viola davis was the the big shock for me i really for woman king i really thought viola davis would get nominated here and and you know not for well, nothing the fact that the woman king got completely shut out so not for nothing the oscars has as you know this as has been well documented had some problems with you know diversity and mm-hmm. things like that uh, uh asian representation this year is off the charts um, so i guess they figured they didn't have to yes. do anything else yeah i mean there's two so viola davis deservedly should have been nominated here for woman king also, the Emmett Till movie. Um, Danielle Deadweiler and Till, yeah. Yeah, no nominations for No Till. nominations. Uh, and the thing is, it's tough because this is a stacked category again. And, like, who do you drop to add in those, those two performances? Well, it, I mean, so here's the thing. And uh, it's a stacked category. You, well, let me go over the nominations. Okay. You have yeah. Kate Blanchett, Tar. Right. She's going to win it. Um, yes. An- Anna de Armas, Blonde. Uh, Andrea, A- Andrea Riseborough, Two Leslie, Michelle Williams, The Fablemans, Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Andrea Riseborough was the, the stunner here. Mm-hmm. I mean, when that came in, I hadn't heard of Two Leslie. Right. I was like, what? What is Two Leslie? Um, we're going to be showing it here, so I'll, I'll be able to see it in a couple weeks. Um, but she, like you, you pointed out, you know, she campaigned hard for this. And uh, I want to make sure. Sh- clear like that's totally within the rules she did not do anything as far as we know nothing untoward happened people campaign for these all the time this is a huge part of part of the whole thing yeah didn't do anything wrong but she got in there got a surprise and viola davis did not um so that was that was of all of the nominations and all of the things that came that was that was the big shock for me there's another one in the best picture category which i wasn't shocked about but annoyed which we'll get to um later yeah i'll get to uh if we if we do international that was my biggest shock we can do international yeah yeah we're not gonna we're not obviously not gonna talk about every category because like i don't think you listeners at home want to hear our breakdown of best makeup um because that should be all quiet on the western front okay so i was gonna say what the hell do we know but yeah all right um all right so who who do you want to win this category then I don't know. Uh, I can't say Kate. She was great. She's always great. But Tar is the, in my estimation, the most overrated movie of the year. Okay. It just it checks all the Oscar bait boxes, mm-hmm. and everybody's loving it. And it's not bad, but it it could have been better. It yeah. could have been better paced. It could have been a tighter thing. It just didn't resonate with me. Her performance, um, though, is the one thing about that movie that is, is very good. Very good. But it just as a movie, it fell flat for me. There's a couple of the the things that they bring up are really interesting, and I think they could have delved into them bigger. You know, the the power dynamics and different things like that that they and ra- some racial dynamics mm-hmm. that they they just kind of touch the surface of. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know who I want, Michelle Yeoh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it would be great. I mean, I want that movie to win everything. It, well, actually, no. There's a couple that that's not my pick for the. That they're that they're okay. nominated for. All right. Well, yeah, I'm with you. But, Michelle Yeoh is who I'd want as well, and she gets um, she gets the legacy vote too. And, and if Kate Blanchett doesn't get it, I think it's going to Michelle Yeoh. Right. I mean, but Kate's gonna win from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah, I think of all the nominations, Kate Blanchett is the number one. Like, it's the the surest bet. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as these things go, Anna de Armas, uh, you know, blonde, uh, mixed mixed critical reviews of that movie. Um, but she's she's fantastic. It's nice to see her nominated. Um, yeah, you know, she's, she's. I think another snub in here is is like brought up Margot Margot in Babylon. Yeah. Even more so, she was great in Amsterdam too. Even, but she was both so of those movies critical failures. Um, you well, know. box office failures. They weren't total critical failures. Uh, they they were kind of they were mi- it was mixed. But yeah, I, don't know. I, I I also will say Michelle Williams in The Fablemans is really. It's really a dynamic performance. Um, it's it's similar in some ways, actually, to Michelle Yeoh's performance as a uh, a mother and wife, uh, kind of lost out there 
and, um, you know, looking for the path of life and not feeling fulfilled or satisfied in life. Um, and then trying to figure out a way to, to move on to a point of, of satisfaction and happiness. Very, very different movies. Yeah. Very similar characters. Um, so that's an interesting thing. Michelle Williams was fantastic in this movie, but Michelle Yeoh, the, the, the level uh, where Michelle Williams' character is similar to Michelle Yeoh, Michelle Yeoh had to take her character and everything everywhere all at once to like 12 other levels uh, and play like 12 different versions of that same character and do Kung Fu and, you know, Rakakuni and crazy weird stuff. And so, yeah, I think if Kate doesn't win this, that's my prediction. It's going to go to Michelle Yeoh. And that would be. Yeah, I think she's the only one that has a chance of taking that from Kate. I do too. Hi there, my name is Lee Metzger, host of The Lowdown, where you can find news and discussions about upcoming events, movies, author talks, concerts, comedy shows, and more. A new episode comes out every other week, making sure that you stay up to date with the latest information about all the exciting things going on at The United. You can also look forward to hearing exclusive interviews with local and visiting artists, touring musicians, comedians, those featured authors, and others. Hear them talk about their experiences at the United, upcoming projects, all sorts of things. So make sure to subscribe to the Lowden on your podcasting app and turn on notifications so you can stay up to date with the latest info on the United Theater. Now back to the show. All right, actress in a supporting role, nominees: Angela Bassett, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, um, Hong Chao, The Whale, Carrie Condon, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Jamie Lee Curtis, first nomination ever. Uh, everything everywhere all at once and stephanie shu uh everything everywhere all at once this is a i love this um this pool of nominees Mm -hmm. um i I will i will say i love um uh banshee's image sharon was great i thought the the entire cast was great every all of the male actors amazing colin farrell so so good the heart of that movie carrie condon though to, for me, stole every scene. She I, I think she wins this one. Uh, I, I mean, uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's even what I want. I think she does. Angela Bassett won the. She Golden won the. Globe. I don't get it. I love it. Angela's great. I don't see this. I don't know why that that particular performance is getting this kind of buzz. I mean, it's the morning mother performance. Um, it was. She was a strong performance in that movie. That movie was not very strong to me, which is a right. shame because the first Black Panther is. It's great. It's yeah. One of my top Marvel movies. Um, yeah, I don't. Again, it's that if Angela Bassett wins, it's a bit of a legacy win. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. it it is. Stephanie Hsu, good for her being nominated. I mean, huge breakout year for her. Um, she's amazing in that. Jamie Lee Curtis, she's great and fun and, and everything everywhere all at once. But like, I don't know. It doesn't strike me as Oscar level performance. Yeah. And I think. Shu will get the whole kind of like Barry, like you'll be back, you'll be back, you'll yeah. be back. But Carrie Condon in Banshees was, I mean, as yeah, as Colin Farrell's sister in that movie, um, really, really dynamic performance. Again, similar to Michelle Williams and Michelle Yeoh playing a character who is just not satisfied in life, yeah. stuck in life. That seems to be a trend um, in some of these <laughs> greater female performances of the yeah. year. Yeah, um, I think I think Carrie wins it. She is so good. She's so dynamic. She's funny. Um, yeah, I, I, I hope she does. <laughs> she's kind of like the only one on the island, like the only adult on the island. She really is. Yeah. yeah. She's the only one who has her act together. Um, all right. I'm going to jump. So we're going to jump around to different categories now um, that I think are worth talking about. I want to do, um, do animated feature film. Animated feature film is, it's always an interesting mix in here right um the nominees this year uh guillermo del toro's pinocchio marcel the shell with shoes on the sea beast which i have not seen turning red and puss in boots the last wish i want to so del toro's pinocchio will win here should win here um it was beautiful it's a it's a stunning incredibly incredibly well executed film and when you watch the behind the scenes the the level of intricacy that went into the character design and stop motion in this is, is absolutely stunning. So he should win this. Well, the, the fact that it's not just a retelling of the same old hackneyed Pinocchio story too. Exactly. You know, Mussolini is a character in this. It's got a, some dark, 
del toro elements which i mean del toro he's one of the best filmmakers working he really is he Mm -hmm. because he does interesting things um and he's allowed to do interesting things absolutely i i I think i hope eventually we'll we'll be able to bring that and do a one-off screening here it is not part of our oscars series but it would be a fun movie to bring here and see on the big screen so the other nominees here, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, super fun movie. Uh, we played that. Um, Jenny Slate actually came here to the theater um, around that time. I, I, Turning Red is, is a fun Disney movie. It, was, it had a moment uh, earlier this year. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. I took my kids to see this movie last week because we were playing it up until yesterday. Yesterday, here. yep. Um, and I... I begrudgingly, I was like, oh, I'm going to sit through this movie. It's not going to be great. I like the Shrek movies and all of that. Fine. I, I thought Puss in Boots, The Last Wish was a lot of fun. It, everybody, see, this, this category is tough for me. I've only seen Pinocchio. Okay. Um, I didn't make it into Marcel. I'm kind of older than that. Like, I don't even remember when it was a YouTube sensation. Mm-hmm. I do love Jenny Slate. And then, but everybody who's come out of Puss in Boots has loved it from oh every, God. like the five-year-olds, the the yes. tweens, the, yeah. the uh, you know, high, junior high and high school kids. It's all cool. the way up to the adults. The animation style is different, and yep. it, it, but it's cool and stylized, almost like the Spider Verse movie in a way. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like the heart in the movie, there's this little chihuahua. It's like Lee's favorite movie of the year. It, I know it is, <laughs> um, which I thought he was joking about until I saw it. I don't it. think he is. <laughs> it's a great movie, and um, there's like a little chihuahua character. There's like the heart of the movie. It's, it's, it's sweet, but it's really funny. Is that the Harvey Gann character? I was wondering who, was, I don't who know. he played in that. I don't even know who plays this character. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's fun. It's, it's funny. It has everything that you want it to have. Um, and then it has a setup at the end, which makes me think that they're going to do another Shrek movie soon. So um, I, I, Pinocchio for the win here, for sure, deservedly so. Um, but I just want to put out a plug. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Surprise. And- I don't know. I think, that could, I think that could do it. And that had the most box office behind it too of course and and honestly when it comes down to oscar politics and there's so much politics involved involved in the oscars i and we'll get to this with best picture um there is something taken into account for like box office legacy titles movies that do really well um bolstering studios for their big daring box office risks um we'll talk about this um before we get there i i I, we're not going to talk about costume design and stuff like that. I do want to talk about cinematography. Good. Yep. Um, because I am a, a, I'm a big cinematography fan. I mean, when I, for me, a cinematographer is, is one of the, the top three most important people on a film set. Um, and there's been some incredible masters that work in that world. Two on the set. Probably number two. Um, so, Depending on the movie, number one. Here's the thing with this. Um, so the, arguably the greatest cinematographer working today is Roger Deakins. Roger Deakins, mm-hmm. I mean, he's worked with every great director. He has some of the most memorable films. He's nominated here for Empire of Light, which is Sam Mendes' film. I did not, I did not That's see That's the this. only movie on this of, of these that I did not see. Yeah, I have not seen it either. Um, I will say very limited release on that one. Very limited. I will say Roger Deakins is a master. Let me read the nominees. Yeah. Um, you have All Quiet on the Western Front. That's James Friend. You have Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths. Uh, that's Darius Kanji. You have Elvis, Mandy Walker, Empire of Light, Roger Deakins, and Tar, uh, Florian Hoffmeister. Um, so you have uh, you have some masters on this list. Roger Deakins. I mean. Even in the last 10 years, um, Roger Deakins did, he did, he worked with Sam Mendes before mm-hmm. in 1917. That movie is amazing. Have you seen 1917? I actually haven't seen that one yet. I'm, I love a good war movie. Um, and this one is particularly interesting because it's shot in a way to feel like a continuous moving one shot. It's not, you couldn't ever do a movie Every, yeah. like this at this scale the masterful creation of Roger Deakins and his camera work and lighting and everything to make this feel like one seamless shot. And it's, it's like action beat after action beat, epic, epic, epic. Um, and then he did Blade Runner, uh, 2049. Beautiful movie. Amazing. And he's worked a lot with, um, Denis. Um, he did prisoners, Sicario. Um, so Roger Deakins is, 
Roger Deakins also has an amazing podcast. The name of it is escaping me right now, but he does deep dives. Put it in the show notes. Yeah. He does deep dives talking about all of his films and, and the, the cinematography process. He really, he really dives deep in like lighting design and tracking and motion and things like that. Um, any film nerd or filmmaker should really give it a listen. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you have on this list, Darius Kanji. Now Darius Kanji, you know, he worked on films like, uh, City of Lost Children, Delicatessen. He has like a really interesting style. This is stuff that's more up my alley. Yeah. Um, and, and Bardo. And Bardo was amazing. And Bardo is all about cinematography. I've, I have not seen Bardo. I've only seen Well, that's what I was going to bring up. I think the weirdest, not the biggest snub, but the biggest surprise was that not getting nominated for Best International. Because everybody loves Inaratu, yep. typically. Yep. And the fact that I he mean, didn't with with Birdman. Yeah, winning best picture. You know, that's that's well, that between him, the three amigos, him and Coran and Del Toro, mm-hmm. they they won it like between the three of them like six times out of seven years at yeah. one point. They they just did a talk together oh, too. They did. Yep. Um, what do you think is the winner here then? Uh, I think it's going to be all quiet on the Western Front. Okay. Uh, which I get, even though the thing about that is it's it's large in scope, but it's very muted tones. It's like, just make sure there's enough contrast and it's going to look good. It was basically almost like a black and white movie. Um, I, I, I haven't seen it yet. So. I could see them. I don't know. I don't think Elvis is going to get it. I don't think so. I have no idea why Tar is even on this list. The, the thing that shocks me about this list, and this shocked me with the, the Globe nominations and everything too, is, is Banshees of Inner Sharon is one of the most... I would put Banshees here over Tar. Me like, too. It's one of the... I, mean, I remember watching that movie and remarking... Like every scene, I would say, this this is like this movie is stunning. It's gorgeous. Like every shot it's in this shot movie feels like a well, painting. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, and that that cinematographer is Ben Davis. And the fact that that wasn't even nominated here is is that's a big snub in my in my mind. Yeah, and this is some this is some where talking about paintings, like going back to Green Knight, which I don't know was Green Knight on the cusp or was that last year? It Green, would have been Green Knight was the year before last. Yeah, it was twenty twenty one. Because yep. that, that's one where I'm like, there were so many shots where I'm like, okay, let me just pause that and use that as a reference and yeah. make that a painting or something. Roger Ebert used to do this thing at his film festival in, uh, in Champaign-Urbana uh, in Illinois, where he would have a, an audience full in this giant theater, and you could call out pause during the movie. You'd watch a movie. It's, I mean, it took hours to get through these movies, but you call out pause on a frame that is of particular interest to you. And then they pause the movie and then everybody led by Roger Ebert has a little conversation about the framing or something that just happened in the movie. And I've always wanted to do that. I don't know if that sounds really interesting. It also sounds like it could really piss me off depending on who they they moderate. They moderate. If you want to call pause, you have to kind of, I think they only let certain people do it. Right. It's not anybody in the audience. Yeah. Pause. Okay, good. I have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) Um, let's jump to directing now. Sure. Uh, directing nominees, Banshees of Inner Sharon, Martin McDonough, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinert, The Fableman, Steven Spielberg, Tara Todd Field, and Triangle of Sadness, Ruben Ostland. Um, I want the Daniels to win this, uh, for Everything Everywhere All at Once. Me but too, but I think it's going to be... I don't know. I think the most interesting are the Daniels and Ruben, and I'm glad they're in there. I think it could be any of the other three. If I, I was betting. I think uh, I, I would Spielberg would be a great choice. I, I really love the Fablemans. Um, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, it's basically the it's Spielberg directing his own biopic, which is right. the balls on him. Yeah. Imagine directing your own biopic and writing it. Um, that's that's new. Um, I don't know. Martin McDonough is probably then if the Daniels don't win, I think Martin McDonough will take this. Yeah, I don't think the Daniels are gonna. I think they might give it. They'll give that movie best picture, but not best director. Okay, Todd Field though is so loved and lauded for this movie and and in general. So he, he you know, this one. I think it's anybody but the Daniels or Ruben Oslo. Okay, it's a flip of a coin. It's it's yeah yeah. I I agree. I don't think Ruben is in the running, but I mean, I'm glad Triangle is getting this kind of you know. It, how many did it get nominated for? I don't know. A handful. A couple. It did. It did. So I'm not going to talk about documentary because I have not seen the majority of these films. I will say that 
of the documentary nominees, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, is the front runner probably will win. Um, and we are showing that movie right now. Um, Not a feel good picture. No, it's a sad reality about, you know, pill addiction and uh, the, the mega rich people supporting those things. And, you know, it's I think an that's intersection what... between arts and, and philanthropy and how those philanthropists sometimes also give money to horrible things right. uh, like the Sacklers did. Not to get into this, you know, I know we're skipping this one, but maybe Fire of Love sneaks in just because it's... Fire of Love is a cool movie. Really, I did see that one. Bit of a bummer of an ending, but it's a happy kind of... Yeah, I like that I think it, I think that could sneak in. It could, it could. Um, I, all That Breathes is, is supposed to be really good. I just I haven't seen it, um, so I don't feel, don't feel I can talk about this category too deeply. Right. Um, well, we could talk about international. You, you touched on it. Um, international film, you have All Quiet on the Western Front from Germany, Argentina 1985 from Argentina, Close from Belgium, The Quiet Girl from Ireland, and EO from Poland. I have not seen any of these movies. Um, EO from Poland, which is this movie about this donkey um i i'm dying to see that movie it looks incredibly interesting i want to see the quiet girl the quiet it's, girl looks i've, really I've good seen too. uh all quiet i started argentina and i kind of i wasn't in i couldn't be paying attention to it so i turned it off it is on prime right, right now. now the weird thing here is the international film category is always odd to me because sometimes a movie squeaks through to the like an international film will squeak through to a best picture nomination um as happened with triangle of sadness right uh occasionally a movie will sneak through to the best picture and also be international feature film so i'm a little surprised well, it's like how does that one not win <laughs> how is triangle <laughs> you know? of sadness not here in the best international i i never I understand i, I think this one is there. going to be all quiet easily which which is also a best picture nominee right so i think you're right but it's weird that um, that Triangle of Sadness isn't here. But you know, it's not. Well, it's a, it kind of depends. Is that a fully? It's all about how much money from different countries went in. I don't, I don't have the breakdown on. I think it's the budget. Yeah, I don't think. I think technically it fits, but oh, oh well. Weird. Um, I can't really. I don't want to talk about music and the the best song and all of that stuff. I I will note no. that the only thing with the technical. St- stuff is avatar is probably going to win a bunch of them of course it is special effects it should but then i feel There's like they missed cool the mark stuff. on the batman like the batman got like makeup and stuff and and makeup sound which is fine but it didn't get production design it, no it didn't and that's where i thought it had its its biggest strength now granted the production design is another insanely stacked category but it but, got visual effects and makeup when it, I don't know. I also think it has one of the strongest scores of the year, the new Batman Which, movie. Yeah, it's, it is in there for so yeah. It's not not for score though. I mean, the musical score. Oh, oh um, yeah, Gene Kino is and that guy is one of the best film composers out there. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I cinematography. It was in a lot of short lists for cinematography, the Batman movie. Um, and Matt Reeves, the director of that film, um. You know, I've only seen James Cameron do this. Otherwise, you know, he sent a letter to movie theaters like ours um, with notes about projection and light mm-hmm. and all of that. Um, that's somebody who takes the look and feel of their film very seriously and wants to make sure that the, the cinematic audience is getting the vision that they're, they're meant to. So I respect that. Well, I, th- I think it was the best version of Gotham, or the most true to the comics Gotham that it I've was. ever seen. Yeah. I really liked... Burton's too, especially in Returns, but that that's a totally different thing, and that was a more fantastical Tim Burtonized version. It, it was. Um, all right, before we go to Best Picture, I want to talk about the two, two screenplay um, categories mm-hmm. real quick. Um, we'll cut through these pretty fast. Um, writing adapted screenplay: All Quiet on the Western Front, Glass Onion, and Knives Out Mystery. Living, Top Gun Maverick, Women Talking. Um, uh, I love Top Gun Maverick. It was a weird nomination for Very screenplay. Weird, yeah. I was like, I can think of like seven other adapted screenplays that are probably better than that. Um, that one was surprising. Um, but I think 
I, I would love to see Glass Onion, Ryan Johnson win for Glass Onion. That was a fun movie. Um, it was. I don't know if it's best screenplay. It, it's a great movie. I think All Quiet on the Western Front is coming from such a, a historic piece of literature that, to me, that might be the win. I, I have not seen Women Talking, so I can't, I don't feel like I, I haven't seen that either. Uh, I want to. Uh, it's too bad that we couldn't get that we as couldn't. part of our thing. But uh, I think that because of all of the other snubs, uh, not only with women of color, but with women in general, mm-hmm. I think, I'm not saying it's going to get it because of that. Yeah. But I think it kind of, you know. Well, it's Sarah Polly who wrote who, that movie. And she's amazing. Yes, she is. She absolutely deserves this Oscar if she gets it. Could it could be a legacy win. Something like that, mm-hmm. or, you know. Like I said, I don't want to say it's because of that, but kind of, you know, I think it's like, oh, we're going to throw a bone. Yeah, I mean, it could be. I wish, I mean, we tried to get that movie, um, but we were unable to, um, to get it for part of our Oscar series that we're doing here. Um, but yeah, Sarah, I mean, Sarah Polly is fantastic. She, yeah, she's kind of a legend in the movie Away From Her that mm-hmm. Sarah Polly did. I don't know if she won or was nominated for that, but that was a, a really, really great kind of hard movie about um, Alzheimer's. Let's jump into writing original screenplay. Uh, we have Banshees of Inner Sharon, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Triangle of Sadness. What's your thought there? Everything Everywhere, of course. But I think, I don't know, I think they've got a really good chance. Banshees could do it. I don't know, this is a strong field. It's a this really is a, strong especially field. because this is where I will say Tar did have a really good screenplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't want this to just be like sort of Triangle of Sadness, right? Um, well, I, the thing is, I, as much as I loved Triangle, uh, the first act was incredibly slow. The, just almost nothing but exposition for way too long. Yeah, and there's a couple of things like the. Everybody talks about how it's this biting satire on the 1%. There's a little bit of that. Yeah. But it was more about gender politics. Yep. And I think they could have gone even further with that. Like, I lo- the third act was, you know, incredible for that. So I don't know. Like, it, it's, it's a really good screenplay. It is but a good it screenplay. it could have been better. Everything Everywhere All at Once, too, is a really good screenplay. But to me... Where that movie shines is like the visuals and the risks they took in the visuals right. and all of that. Um, I, you know, if you're judging screenplay by character development and, and things like that, I mean, dialogue writing alone, Banshees of Inner Sharon is yeah. the best one on here. Um, and Fablemans is great. I mean, Fablemans, Spielberg wrote this with Tony Kushner, and I'm a huge Tony Kushner fan. Right. Um, but I think Banshees of Inner Sharon for this category deserves the win. I, that screenplay was... Do you think there's a world where everything, everywhere, all at once wins Best Picture and gets shut out of every other nomination? This has happened multiple yeah. times, and the opposite has also happened. Right. Um, so, yes, I do. Again, it, there's like a weird politics really think that's landscape. very possible. Yeah. No, I, I do too. Well, let's, let's talk about Best yeah. Picture because I have some, some, some strong, <laughs> here, here strong, strong opinions here, um, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put them out there. Uh, all right, nominees. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Elvis, Everything, Every- Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, Women Talking. Um, so I'll start here with the two big budget blockbustery type movies that are on this. And, and let me just preface this by saying I love that these kinds of movies are making best picture. Yes. Yeah, I mean, they, they expanded it to 10 just for this reason. For, yeah. Like when Mad Max Fury Road, you know, Dark Knight Returns. I mean, when Return of the King won best picture is when I was like, oh, this yep. is great. Finally, they're giving due to these great, you know, high concept films now. Um, Dark Knight would, would totally have been nominated if it had come out now. Um, for best picture. Right. Well, I think that's, that's the movie that kind of changed, like, oh, we knew to expand it. And exactly. I think they were all, let's be honest, they were getting to a point where nobody was watching anymore because it was all these esoteric movies. That they were. People- so the, the Oscars is doing that for their own uh, longevity right. in some ways, but they're also doing it to, to kind of shield and protect and bolster these studios, these big releases and these big risks. Top Gun Maverick is the highest grossing movie 
domestically, domestically, I believe, yeah. um, of last year still. I, we've talked about Top Gun Maverick on past episodes a little bit because um, I, I love it. It's great. It's the kind of movie that is meant to be seen in a movie theater. I'm glad it's nominated. It deserves it. Mm-hmm. The cinematography in that movie, too, is that's, um, and the, incredible. And the aerial photography. Was, and that wasn't nominated. So right. that's... That's something. that's where I thought they would have a chance to win. But they got nominated for screenplay. That's weird. Yeah. But Avatar. Now, it, okay. Um, I expect Avatar to be nominated for visual effects and things like that because there's the underwater stuff, especially the way they animated the water. It's groundbreaking. James Cameron, as he does with every film, he, he creates new technology and he pushes the medium forward in some ways. But this movie, uh, Avatar The Way of Water, is maybe, uh, I don't know how to say this lightly, um, it felt like the dumbest movie of the year to me. Uh, it did, the dialogue, it just, it felt so bad. Like It felt like it was written by a 13-year-old. Um, James you know, Cameron has never been known for his... <sighs> Script writing. Entertain him. There is a moment in this movie where a character, I will never forget this moment because uh, it's ludicrous. There's a moment where one of the characters, one of the Navi kids, is talking to a whale that he's just met. Now, he doesn't, he's never met a whale. He doesn't know anything about, and the whale's communicating, and the, the whale responds to him in whale noises, and then this big 3D subtitle <laughs> pops up, and it says something like, Cause he's like, what's the matter whale? Like literally that's how this dialogue is. And the whale's like, I am hurt or something like that. And I'm, when that subtitle popped Did up, you get Lucas to come in and punch up this dialogue. Oh God. When that subtitle came up, we, um, me and the person I was with, we, we laughed out loud and looked at each other like, what the hell? Like, this feels satirical at this point. And the whole movie was like that. The, um, it felt like, it felt like James Cameron was pulling in some like Titanic elements here, some Abyss elements here, some Avatar elements here, um, just punching up dialogue with nonsense. Like one of the Navi Sun characters says "bro" all bro the time, which yeah. is uh, it's like it just takes you out of the movie. Um, so the f- that's a long rant about this movie. Um, I haven't even seen the movie. I'm not trying to be like man a contrarian or anything. I'm just like I'll watch it when it's on. Yeah, I don't care about it. Look, the undersea stuff is great, but it's like it's a really long movie, and there's like ten minutes of stuff that you're like, "Wow, this is beautiful." The rest of it, you're like, "Oh my god, what is this?" Um, so the fact my, that's my long way of saying the fact that this was nominated is is I'm not shocked or surprised, not, but especially with the money. That's it's with, in there it's with the money. It's, it's a, there for the same reason Top Gun is. They're not going to win. I, I don't know Top Gun. Top Gun has a far better chance, but Avatar is... I agree, but I don't think either one of them are going to win. I don't think so either. Triangle's not going to win. It'd be great if Top Gun won. Um, no, I'm be, st- uh, obviously, I'm still with everything. I, I want everything everywhere all at once to win. I think Tar wins, probably. I wouldn't be shocked at Fablemans. I wouldn't be shocked at Banshees. And I think the Dark Horse, or like, not Dark Horse, but the one that could sneak in is all quiet i think all quiet's got this weird thing where it's like all of a sudden nobody was really paying attention to it and then all of a sudden it gets like nine or ten yeah what i think that works against it it's a netflix i think it'll win best foreign and it won't win best picture and it's like cancels each other out i think that's probably very very true like i said that's the one if one that i don't think is going to win is going to win yeah it's going to be that one one. but i think it's going to be tar everything or banshees maybe maybe fable ones Everything would be that's that's that would be wonderful because as we talked about on our our recap of the year episode, that that that's both of our favorite film of the year. So, all right, well that's I mean that's that's our Oscar conversation. Um, yeah, it's not too much else. To... There's yeah, I mean we kind of covered everything. Let's let's talk for just just a few minutes. Um, we'll just close out with this because like I like I mentioned at the top of the show, we're doing this series for Neighborhood Watch. Neighborhood Watch is our in-house film club, essentially. It's a film series that we program, but it's, it's curated and meant for people who really love film and coming out to film. Movie nerds. Movie nerds. The community of, of the, these movie nerds in, the, in this area um, is growing, and, and we're looking forward to bolstering it with these kinds of screenings. Um, I told you we're doing this you know, three-month short series on movies about movie making. Um, 
said we showed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. We have Altman's The Player coming up, which has this... Uh, the, you said you like the ending the best. For me, it was... There's a tracking shot at the beginning. It's, it's a masterfully orchestrated tracking mm-hmm. shot, and it's incredibly meta because they're talking about you know a tracking shot, yeah, and it's yeah. a bunch of producers planning. Um, if you've not seen that movie, I recommend you, you come out. Um, that's, that's coming in February here. And then in March, we're showing a Christopher Guest double feature. Um, we're showing The Big Picture, which I have not seen The Big Picture. Neither have I. It's a narrative film. It's not, yeah. it's not a mockumentary like a lot of his work. But then we are showing For Your Consideration, which is that. Mm-hmm. And For Your Consideration, is, it's a great March pick uh, because the Oscars are coming in March. Yep. And the reason we're doing this as the theme for these few months is, you know, we're, we're, it fits in with the Oscars and award season and all of that. Um, but I'm, I, I, that's going to be a double feature, a fun, a fun double feature, but I wanted to talk beyond those movies, just about a couple of, of other movies that kind of celebrate movie making or Hollywood, or, you know, you've talked about Babylon that Mm -hmm. you really like that movie, but what, like, what, what movies shine in your opinion that, that are a that meta kind of movies about movies. Well, as soon as you brought it up, I knew I had to rewatch living in oblivion, yep. which was 90. I don't know. I should have looked this up Four, mid nineties. Tom okay. DeSillo. Okay. Uh, this is when he was working a lot with James LaGrosse. Uh, also stars Steve Buscemi early role for Peter Dinklage. And it's all about a guy making a micro budget movie. Dur- Dermot Mulroney. Um, early early i think kind of early role for katherine keener too and uh just everything that can possibly go wrong and it's kind of told in various you learn that they're they're kind of dreaming but kind of not and it's really interesting uh talk about tracking shots yeah like the first act is him trying to get this he wants a one shot and they just every like a light bulb burst. It's just silly things. Like the actors are doing great. Like everything's going right, but these tiny technical errors just derail the whole thing. And they're all like, "If we just break it up into two shots, we got this. This is you know we're we're moving on." He's yeah. Like, and he just really wants it. Then they talk about dream sequences in it, and they're like, "That they're the smoke machine bursts because their prop guy doesn't really know how to work it." They they mixed oil and gasoline. Oh my god! And they're like, how can we shoot a dream sequence without a smoke machine? Because this is like mid nineties, such a trope in yeah. in independent cinema. And they're like, it's okay, we still have Tito, who is Peter Dinklage's character. And I'm really glad that later in the script, Peter Dinklage gets a, he's like, why does a dwarf make this a dream sequence? Have you ever dreamed of a dwarf? I am a dwarf, and I don't dream of dwarf. Like, yeah, That's and. Funny. Uh, I was, I mean, there's, there's a classics, obviously there's like, like Sunset Boulevard. Yep. It's not about Great one. filmmaking. It's about people in that world. Great classic. Singing in the Rain is my favorite of the classic films about filmmaking. Yep. I think it's just, to me, it's, it's my favorite musical film, you know, early musical film. Um, but then for me, I was thinking, I, I went immediately to the Coen brothers. I always go immediately to the Coen brothers. Uh, they're my favorite filmmakers. Um, you have uh, Hail, Caesar Hail Caesar was so much fun. Um, but the best of best example of this is Barton Fink. Oh, Barton yeah. Fink is is oh, God. It's that's, that's probably a top ten all timer. All timer. Yeah. It's so so good. Um, and Barton Fink, we did try to get that film, but we couldn't license it. Um, Barton Fink. You know, you have John Goodman, um, John Turturro. It's about this really golden age Hollywood mm-hmm. time. This it's, it's really about the studio system. And I love that. I love that insider studio system, uh, talking about, you know, the, the players that work for those studios. Hail Caesar is the same. Mm-hmm. They love, they, they, they kind of work within the same time frame in these movies. Um, those two really stand out for me. And then, um, Ed Wood. Ed, I was going to, yep. I mean, Ed Wood is great movie, probably Tim Burton's best movie. I think it's his most accomplished or and something that I guess can uh, appeal to a wider range than some of his other stuff that is yeah. on the weirder side. Yep. Um, I, I just, just to list a few others that I came up with here that I, I think are worth mentioning. Tropic Thunder is yep. 
probably the funniest movie that I can think of about filmmaking. Uh, for me, at least, um, that movie's just, it's pretty, it's, it's good. The first 15 minutes are the funniest part though. When they're showing like the backgrounds, like where all these actors, like what they were known for in that, in this fictional world. Um, the movie, the artist from 2011, which won best picture and people were like, oh, it's people know, nobody even remembers this movie, which is, yeah, it's so good. Um, I rewatched it recently. It's really good. Yep. Um, and then you have adaptation, which is about a movie about screenwriting Mm -hmm. and that's a Charlie Charlie Kaufman movie. Um, that one's insane. That's 2002 with Nicolas Cage playing himself and his twin brother. Meryl Streep is in that movie. That's a fantastic one. Um, God, what else? Um, there's the uh, what? Sh- Shadow of a Vampire. Shadow of a Vampire. Um, with William Dafoe, really, really good. Which he just got. He's in talks to play Shrek again in the uh, new Nosferatu, which is I he? think is David uh, Eggers. Hmm. Yep. Okay. Um, there was another notable movie. Now I cannot. Oh, John Goodman. The the funny thing with John Goodman is John Goodman is in Barton Fink. John Goodman is in The Artist. John Goodman is also in this great movie called Matinee, which is mm-hmm. a Joe Dante film, um, which not a lot of people remember or even know about this film. Um, it's, it's kind of about the 1950s sci-fi. Uh, he's, he's this pr- producer trying to get this movie into theaters. It's 3D. There's like real alien bugs. It's a really weird movie, really fun. Um, I don't know. There's something to be said for movies that take place within the world of, of filmmaking and even Nope last year had elements within elements of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. A couple other ones that uh, Bowfinger, Bowfinger is one of the most underrated comedies. That is Steve Martin, Steve Martin and and Eddie Murphy, Murphy, which, and they're perfect together. Um, you know, people forget Eddie, you know, Eddie's had some up and downs. Yeah. Um, but when he is on, he is one of the most gifted comedic performers. Another one with him, which was kind of a, a bit of a renaissance for him, was The Dolomite Is My Name. Oh, that's a great movie. It was oh, so yeah. good. And especially because I love those old Rudy Ray Moore movies anyways. Mm-hmm. And the way they recreated them was, they did a really good job with they that did. movie. The, the, the last one I wanted to talk about is, uh, it's a, it's my favorite David Lynch film. It's, and, and the funny thing here, David Lynch is such a film nerd himself. Um, if you see Fablemans, you'll see at the end of the movie, David Lynch makes a cameo. Um, I'm not going to spoil it if you've not seen the movie because it's, it's worth the surprise. Um, but his film Mulholland Drive, mm-hmm. which is, it's not really about movie making per se, or it's, it's, I, it's hard to say what it really is about. Um, it's one of the most unsettling That's... films. Um, they came out in 2001. Was that Naomi Watts' first U.S. credit? I don't think it was her first. Yeah. I think she did The Ring first before that. Um, maybe not. Uh, but it's, it's def- it was definitely like a breakout performance for her. Um, but I love, I love that movie. It's so dark. Yep. It's so twisted. And it's set with Hollywood as the backdrop to it. And the, these, like, peop- these women who want to be actresses. And it's, it's a... It's a an uncomfortable movie, but a really well. Yeah, it's a David Lynch movie. So. It's a David Lynch movie, but the Coen Brothers stuff for me is is the the best examples. So the Barton Fink, the Hail Caesar, um, those guys. I, I'm a big nerd for Golden Age Hollywood stuff anyway. So those movies are right in my wheelhouse. We should do a Coen Brothers deep dive. We should. That would be a good episode. Just to inside Hudsucker Proxy is way too underrated. Inside Lewin Davis is um, my probably my second favorite movie of all time. Yeah, love that movie. It's a good movie. You could watch it over and it, they made a movie uh, a few years ago for Netflix. This like it's a western. Buster it's a bunch Scruggs. of Buster yeah. Scruggs. Also, you like, probably know that from the Beeb with James Franco. Yes, the first time. Yes. Huh? Yep, love that movie. All right, well, that ends today. So. You know, today we're talking about the Oscars. We're talking about movies about movies. These, this is all a celebration of the movies. That's what the Oscars is, right? That's what us showing these films about filmmaking. It's a celebration of the movies. It's very much something that is really important to us here at the United, um, to us on this podcast, obviously. Um, so, you know, we're excited to share these things, but we do hope you come out to see some of these films. 
Stay tuned to our website, unitedtheater.org, to learn more about what's coming. Uh, And we will see you back here in a couple of weeks. Don't know what we'll be talking about yet, but until then, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.